Hello, are you ready to dive into a world of captivating conversations and insightful perspectives with Leap Listens? I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host Roger. Hello. And together we'll be your guides through our third podcast series. Leap Listens is proudly presented by Leap Create, a dynamic people communications agency that partners with organisations to communicate their unique culture and values. Go and check us out at leapcreate.co.uk. So join us as we explore the latest trends, share success stories and uncover the secrets of effective communications in the workplace in just 15 minutes or maybe a little bit more. Today, we're joined by diversity, equity and inclusion specialist, Stacey Ram. Welcome, Stacey. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So, Stacey, tell us about you and your work in diversity and inclusion. Yeah, so I've uh, I've worked in HR in the people space for probably, I would say, most of my career now. I've spent a long time working across sort of talent and recruitment and then naturally progressed into diversity, equity and inclusion around five years ago now. So I've worked with some really great businesses in this space. And for me, I always wanted to do a job that allowed me to drive sort of positive change and make the world a better place. And I'm grateful that I get to use my own personal experiences that have been seen as disadvantages in the past to do a job that I'm really passionate about. Great. So for organisations that are just starting out on this journey, what are some of the practical first steps that they can take to make progress and then build momentum? Oh, where to start with that one? Um, I think it could be a mountain of things. I guess from my perspective, commitment to DEI means an organisation understands that each one of their colleagues are different. Each colleague represents different or multiple diversity strands. And then businesses need to recognise that you need to truly value and respect each of your colleagues' differences and being open to listening, learning, promoting openness, taking a zero tolerance approach to any form of discrimination, bullying, harassment is obviously a journey in itself. But I think for organisations, just being willing to accept and acknowledge that where you're starting from, being transparent about what that picture tells you, and then seeing where you go from there. But recognising that being committed to DNI isn't a one-time thing. It's not a tick box exercise, and it's not a tick box, and then then you're done, and there's nothing else to do. It's not a one-time thing, and it definitely shouldn't be seen as a side project. It should be brought into everything that an organisation does and is doing and is planning to do, and it takes serious time and investment for an organisation, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with the idea that this should be something that's woven into all things rather than treated as a separate thing. And it leads me on to wondering, what's the process that you go through to assess your current DE&I status? And what are some of the common pitfalls that people might typically fall into? Yeah, I mean, I think similar to what you were just saying there, Roger, around the recruitment element of things and people being asked to be more diverse. I think that becomes a focus on recruitment shortlists and things like that. And I'm not saying that that's not the right thing, because I think in some organisations, it depends on your industry. It depends where you're starting from. And sometimes it's important to look at representation from a diversity perspective. But I think what I would say is, We know that diversity, equity, inclusion matters to people who are looking for a job in the jobs market today. In fact, I was reading something the other week that suggests 70% of millennials would not accept a job with a company whose values did not align to their own. And that's things like diversity and inclusion, sustainability. So, you know, if you're if you're applying for a job and that company isn't representative of the values that you possess, then you're not aligned. And, and that would be a blocker for a lot, of, particularly for a lot of millennials in, in terms of joining organizations. But equally, you know, probably for a lot of younger generations, too. I mean, 
my sister is six years younger than me and her values and what she wants from a business is very different to what I would look for. So I think that that's constantly changing and evolving. And just quickly on that, where's your sister looking for her evidence? So if she wants an organisation that aligns with her values, where does she go in search to find out the truth? Yeah, I mean, there's so many tools out there now as well, isn't there? And I think a lot of it comes through word of mouth and what you see kind of you know, online about that organization and what they're, what active work they're doing in this space. I think I would say that careers websites of an organization are a good starting point for, for organizations that are very sort of forthcoming with this information because that can, that can often be displayed on there in a really great way. However, what I would say is for some organizations that don't share what they're doing when it comes to diversity and inclusion or don't share what value they're placing on diversity and inclusion, they might not have anything on their careers website. So then often, I mean, for my sister in particular, like she would look on Glassdoor, for example, or she would speak to friends and see, you know, how do they feel about this company and have they heard good things? And, and it tends to be more of a conversational element. I mean, I say this and as I say, my, my sister is six and a half years younger than I am. Early, she's like mid twenties and she, her values are very different to, to kind of what I would look for in my organisation. You're all about the money, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, definitely not, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I think as well, like, I would say that it's interesting because when I have conversations with friends, uh, some of my friends are older than me, some of my friends are younger than me, I think what candidates want has changed quite significantly. And I know that's probably a whole host of different conversation. We could talk about that for hours, right? But I think that the the kind of salary and benefits package is no longer like top priority. No. It's like third or something now. Yeah, it's top yeah, top three. I was on a webinar not long ago and, and they were saying that the first one was like flexibility, second was career development and progression in, in sort of career pathways. And the third one was salary and benefits. And if you think about 10 years ago, no one would have ever even thought about the other two. It would have always been salary and benefits. Yeah, I've seen similar lists with support around wellness and mental health being right up there too. Culture and values. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as well, like what what I touched on at the beginning, um, for organisations that are just starting out in looking at their D&I journey, it can feel sometimes like you are on the back foot and playing catch up in comparison to other businesses and that can be you know you're playing you want to catch up so that you make sure that you're seen in a great light by candidates who do value inclusive employers and you do want to be seen by those candidates as an inclusive employer I think that the impact of that though on the flip side is that sometimes organizations then try and do too much with too little resource or they try and strive to be perfect and as I said it's not about perfection it's about progress yeah, that's such a good point. And I suppose having a deadline, a fixed thing, implies that there's an end and actually it's um, you know a continuous activity. I think the line which you use that I'll certainly be stealing and using as my own yeah. is it's not about perfection, it's about progress. And I'll use that in meetings uh, totally earnestly as if I've just invented it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear you speaking about that, Roger. <laughs> talent borrows and genius steals <laughs> it's quite common actually roger does take a few lines from yeah, many see. podcast guests and, and use them as his own and i'll, I'll you know sit what? there I love that. i've heard that before yeah it, it's great though because i, I mean I'm, I'm sitting here laughing at that but um 
the whole kind of strap line of doing a few things and doing them really well i i also stole from a colleague of mine of when i worked in another business many years ago and she used to say it all the time and she was a really big believer of that and i was like actually i really love that sort of motto and i've taken that with me ever since so you can have it you're welcome to use it for sure <laughs> i'll take that one and roger can take the other one there we go yeah no. <laughs> You're, you're clearly very passionate and very knowledgeable about this. And I just wanted to ask, what is it about your job you love so much? Oh, that's a great question. I love so much about my job. And I think what I really love is that I get the opportunity to make really impactful change, even though that's only might only be one organisation that I'm working with. Um, I know that it'll have impact in society as well. Everything that I do isn't just an insular um piece of work within one organization everything that I do has an has a lens on society as well um, and as I said at the beginning the reason that I kind of wanted to progress into this space was so that I could use my own lived experiences to make positive and impactful change I remember years ago and I've talked about this in previous sort of um, events that I've done I was um, dismissed from a place of work because of a disability that I have um, and I was asked I asked for flexibility in my job but to accommodate my new sort of disability it didn't happen um at that point in my life i only developed it when i was in my teenage years but it progressively got worse in, at the time when i was in, working for this company um and if i'd have known what i knew now i would have fought that tooth and nail but at the time i didn't know what i knew what i know now um but i guess that experience helped shape me and helped me think actually this isn't okay and i don't want on my watch i don't want to see this happen again um, and then it just kind of ignited something in me to say, actually, this is the career that I want to progress. Yeah, that's a that's a powerful story and clearly strong motivation behind doing what it is that you do. Yeah. So one of the things that we like to do finally, as we come to the end of our time here, is ask people about their current reads or, or listens and anything that they would recommend to other listeners. And it doesn't necessarily need to be related to diversity, equity and inclusion. Yeah, that's great. I mean, currently, aside from the, I am always reading about things in my job because I think, as I say, things constantly evolve. Aside from that, I am um, perhaps controversially reading The Spare Book by Prince Harry, which I am fully engrossed into. Um, but I think from a, I guess, outside of that, I'm, currently reading well I have two books on the go at the moment one thing that you'll probably learn about me is that I have multiple things on the go at, at once um I have ADHD so I struggle to concentrate on one thing solely for a really short for a long pe period of time and I flip between um so I'm reading two books at the moment the first one is Leading Global Diversity Equity and Inclusion by Rohini Anand um so Rohini is somebody who I would recommend as kind of a great thought leader in diversity equity and inclusion and I've read this book probably around three times and each time I make notes and I put sticky tabs everywhere so if you looked at it it would be a big mess to somebody else but to me it makes perfect sense um, I think that it's a great book for leaders who want to know more about diversity and inclusion and where to start it's really practical as a tool I would say um, aside from that Invisible Women um, by Caroline Perez is a really great book. Again, this is another one that I've probably read about three or four times um, and I would highly recommend it. It's very data driven, so it is very heavy, but it highlights so many barriers that women face within the world that's designed for men. Um, and I think it just brings that to life a little bit more. I've definitely recommended that to a few of my, uh, a few of my friends for sure. 
of your male friends. Yeah, (laughs) my husband is currently reading it as well. So, (laughs) right, I've actually got it and read it, and um, I'm the same as you. I'm a massive fan of it. It's yeah, um, yeah, very, very enlightening and interesting. It really is. Like when I first read it the first time, I couldn't absorb what it was saying because it was so data heavy, and I'm not a, I'm not a data person. Like maths is definitely not my strong point. And so I had to make, again, make loads of notes and write things down and sticky tabs and things like that. And then I've gone back to it and I've probably reread it two or three times now. Um, But yeah, I mean, my husband read it and then he spotted things in there that I'd not seen. So I think I'm constantly learning by the knowledge that's inside that book for sure. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. It's been really great speaking to you. Oh, no, thank you ever so much for having me. It's a really great conversation. I know we could probably talk about this for hours, um, but thank you ever so much for having me. It's been a really great conversation. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more expert insights, check out our other bite-sized episodes. Perfect for micro learners and those with a short attention span, just like me. And if you're interested in being a guest, reach out to us at leapcreate.co.uk. See you next time.